0: You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. You know, defining moments uh, that come our way in life And these defining moments um, have a a tendency to shape uh, and guide the direction of our life moving forward. Defining moments, like when you're out with friends for lunch, you're holding the menu in your hand, and you realize that over half of this menu doesn't align with your current Goals in life. And you don't know if you should go with the grilled chicken salad or the burger. By the way, the right answer is always the burger. Or maybe that moment where you're trying to decide what kind of a gift to buy for your friend and you find the perfect gift and then you find out how much it costs. Then you find a gift that they think you think they'll like and it's half the price. Defining moments. Or how about the defining moment that occurs when you're going forty five and a thirty-five and a voice from the back seat says, Daddy, why are you speeding? A defining moment when you receive from the cashier at the grocery store change for a twenty when you only handed them a 10. The defining moment, for some of you students, and you're at a party, you're hanging out with friends, and someone places a beer in your hand or a vape pen in your hand. Defining moment. Where you're working late one evening... Trying to knock out this project and get it finished, and in the conference room with coworkers, and as one reaches over to grab a report, they place their hand on your shoulder. Defining moments. Some defining moments in life uh, have very small implications. Whether it's the burger or fry, or burger or a salad probably not going to make a big difference in the grand scheme of life. And then there are other decisions that can permanently change the direction of your life. So this morning, we're going to take a look at a defining moment that changed the direction and the trajectory of a life of one man forever. He was faced with a question. And the question came right from the lips of Jesus. And it's the same question that you and I will be faced with today. But before we look at the question, I want to read a quote that I came across while studying the text. And I think it helps us understand the weight or the gravity of this decision or this question. And simply this, this question is the most important question God ever asks us. And it's the one to which we most frequently give the wrong answer. Our answer to this question will reveal whether we want death or life. Whether we want to be healed of our spiritual blindness or selfishly want to use God for our own bidding and to fulfill our own desires. So what's the question? What is this big question, the most important question that God ever asks us? Well, the question is simply this. What do you want me to do for you? It seems like a pretty simple question, pretty benign question, and yet it will reveal the depths of our own understanding of who God is and how we interact with him and what it is that he is here to do and and how it is that we are to interact with him. So there are many places in which we find people interacting with this. Now, if we look at Mark chapter 10, if we just stick to Mark 10, which is, by the way, where our text is going to come from today, We find four, at least four, we find four people that want something from Jesus. They come to him looking for something. So if you have your Bibles, look at Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse one, as we begin uh, the, the chapter, we meet the first one right off the bat. And this is the Pharisees. They come to Jesus and they want something from him. They want him to fail. They want to test him. So they come and they ask a question of Jesus. And they're hoping that this question will trap, will test him to the point where he will fail. They want Jesus to fall on his face. They are highly skeptical. In fact, at this point, they're antagonistic towards the ministry and the person of Jesus. They don't like what he's about. They don't like the things that he's saying. And so they want him to fail so they can prove him wrong. They want something from Jesus. Uh, Skip a few verses ahead. Let's go to verse 17. And you're going to find a man who approaches Jesus. He's a a wealthy man. This rich, young man wants something. And he asks this question of Jesus. A question maybe you and I have asked several times. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That age-old question. He comes and asks Jesus that question. And Jesus gives him an answer. It's not the answer he's looking for. Jesus says, take all your possessions, sell them off to the poor, then you'll have eternal life. Now, this is not a statement that Jesus is making about uh, an anti-possession statement. You're not allowed to have things statement. But rather, this young man had built up for himself quite the God to which he worshipped and gave his life to. He was a wealthy man and he loved his wealth. He trusted in his wealth. This was his purpose. This was his God. He wanted eternal life from Jesus that would cost him nothing. He wanted from Jesus Go a few more verses to verse thirty-five, and you're going to come across uh, two disciples. Finally, here's somebody who's going to ask the right question, right, and get, get look the right thing. The disciples. If anybody's got to figure it figured out, it's them. They've been walking with Jesus now for for three years. They've got to have this figured out, right? Well, if you've been watching in the Gospel of Mark, you'll find that Mark is very disparaging towards the disciples. They never figure it out. And here's yet another moment in which we get to see them not figure it out. So they come to Jesus, James and John do, two of the disciples, and they begin with this statement. They say, we want you to do whatever we ask. Now, parents, has that setup ever worked? Kids, I need you to listen to me. All your kids, listen. If you want to get something from mom and dad, Never start with, just say yes to whatever I'm about to say. Okay? Because all that does is raise suspicion and the answer will be no. And it doesn't go any better for the disciples. Jesus, whatever we ask, just say yes. And Jesus responds with this question. What do you want me to do for you? And as we looked at last week, James and John give an answer that says, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. The disciples see Jesus, and they see what he is about. They see the movement of his ministry. He's moving to Jerusalem. If he's the promised Messiah, he's going to overthrow Rome. He's going to sit on the throne in Jerusalem, and we just want to be right next to you and have all the power and all the glory. That's it. Not a big thing. Jesus, do this for us. Give us this personal glory. The disciples wanted personal glory from Jesus. So there you go. We've got three characters that we see. They all want something from Jesus. The Pharisees want to test him. The rich young man wants eternal life that will cost him nothing, and the disciples. They want personal glory. We got one more to meet. Set our text for today. It'll begin at verse 46. This one that we're going to meet, this character today, his name is Bartimaeus. And let me tell you this, Bartimaeus is no ordinary person. No, Bartimaeus is less than ordinary. Because Bartimaeus is a blind, poor beggar who lives his life throwing himself at the mercy and the pity of people who walk past him. Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus has a life-changing interaction and a life-defining moment. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at Mark 10, beginning at verse 46. If you brought your Mark books, if you have those, we're on page 68 And we're going to take a look today at the story of Bartimaeus. Here we go. And they came to Jericho. And as he, that was Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Quick pause here. That statement is no small statement coming out of the mouth of Bartimaeus. First of all, you can about imagine the chaos of the moment. If Jesus is leaving and his disciples are following and this great crowd is coming and Bartimaeus is blind, he's grabbing somebody and saying, What is going on? What is going on? And they say, Oh, Jesus of Nazareth is here. And this blind man hears that it's Jesus. And instantly calls out, Son of David. This is the very first time in the entire Gospel of Mark, we're nearing the end, that Jesus has the title Son of David. If there was ever a political statement to be made about Jesus, it is son of David. David, the great king, the one who ruled over all of Israel. There was no greater expansion of the kingdom of Israel than under King David, a man after God's own heart, a ruler of God's people. Out of David would come one, would come a son down the, down the generations that would rule according to the scriptures son of David. And yet, Bartimaeus doesn't see the political leader that the disciples saw. Bartimaeus says, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. I need healing. I need this from you, Jesus. Would you please heal me? Not personal glory, but would you heal me? All right, keeping on going here, we got verse 48. Watch the crowd in this, by the way. Verse 48, and many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. Look at this finicky crowd. Jesus is walking by, and they can't shush him fast enough. You are embarrassing us. Go away. You are a beggar. You are too loud. You should be in the back streets where no one sees you. Go away. And the moment Jesus says, bring him. Oh, come here, little buddy. You're a friend of mine now. I'm going to bring you to Jesus. But no matter how much the crowd tries to silence him, he cries out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. But what's most remarkable about these two verses is the three words that say, and Jesus stopped. The son of David, on his way to Jerusalem, with great crowd following after him, stops in his tracks at the cry of a beggar. Have you ever wondered if Jesus notices you? Even the cry of a lowly beggar will stop Jesus in his tracks. Jesus shows his heart in this moment. Begin up again at verse 50. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Threw aside his cloak. As a beggar, he's going to sit there on the ground and his his coat, his cloak, is going to be out in front of him and and that's going to collect the money. As the people have pity and and they throw him some money, it's going to be there. Likely his only earthly possession. And at the call of Jesus, he throws it aside and comes rushing to Jesus. And he gets... The powerful, big question. And it seems like it's an obvious answer, right? Jesus looks directly at a blind man and asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? Anybody else feel like the answer is really obvious? Jesus, he's blind. Start there. What do you think he wants? He wants to see. But think about what Bartimaeus could have asked for. Any number of things that he could have asked for in that moment. He could have asked, because here's the deal. You can see again. Let's just say he gets his, his sight back, or gets his sight. That doesn't mean life is going to be good. That doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean he's got skills that are going to allow him to earn a living. He could have asked for money. I figured out how to navigate this whole blind thing just fine. I just need some more money so I don't have to beg all day. Or, or Jesus, would you give me a place of power within, within this, this uh, system here, within Jericho, so I can change things for everyone? but he does ask for a sight. He says, God, I just need healing and I need wholeness. So now we have four. Right here within Mark chapter 10, right in these, uh, this little section of scripture, we meet the four. They all respond in one way or another to the big question, whether it's asked directly of them or, or just uh, assumed within the conversation. And we have the Pharisees that wanted to test Jesus. We have a rich young man who wants something for nothing. We have the disciples who are looking for what's in it for them. And we have a blind beggar who wants healing and who wants wholeness. Let me ask this question. Of the four, who saw Jesus more clearly? Isn't it a little ironic that it's the blind man that sees Jesus correctly? One commentator said it this way what he lacked in eyesight he made up for with insight. The blind man could see Jesus most clearly. It was the blind man that understood who Jesus was. It was the blind man who understood why Jesus came. It was the blind man who responded rightly. So we have a defining moment. We also have a defining moment this morning for each of us. For there is a big question that Jesus asks of you. And asks of me, What do you want me to do for you? How do you respond to that question? When Jesus comes and says, What do you want me to do for you? Honestly, some of us are going to respond similar to the Pharisees. We want Jesus to fail. Because we have skeptical eyes on this whole Jesus thing. And we would love nothing more than for Jesus to not show up. We'd love nothing more than for Jesus to fail so we can say, See, I told you so. I told you it's not real. I told you it's not relevant. I told you it doesn't make a difference anymore. Some of us have built up quite a life for ourselves whether it's the possessions like the rich young man or, or maybe it's reputation, uh, maybe it's career. We, we have a lot going for us and we've worked hard to get there. We just need Jesus kind of to finish off the end for us. Right, like Jesus, can you just get me to that finish line? We want Jesus to give us that eternal life And we want to hang on to everything else as well. We want eternal life that will cost us nothing. Still, others look at this, of us will look at this Jesus thing and will answer the question of, What do you want me to do for you? With a thought that says, What can I get out of this? How does this church thing, how does the Jesus thing, how does this benefit me? What can I get out of this? What's in it for me? So we come to church so we can feel good. We're listening for a real feel-good message. We come to church to serve so that others will see us. We come for our own personal glory, not the glory of God. And yet still others of us Hear the question. And understand who we are and understand all that we struggle with. And there's just one thing we want from Jesus. We just want healing. God, you know the brokenness. You know what's in here. And God, I I just need to be put back together again. God, would you have mercy on me? Jesus asks a defining question. And as he interacts with all four, he gives a defining answer. Because of the four, only one receives what they're looking for. The Pharisees just receive more frustration because Jesus won't be trapped. He won't be tested and he won't fail. The rich young man realizes that having eternal life means letting go of the gods to which he's serving today. The disciples begin to realize that there's way more to the kingdom of God than simply sitting on a throne in Jerusalem. But It was the blind beggar who in faith Says, Lord, have mercy on me. And God gives him what he needs. Parents, are, are you able to discern when a question is asked or a request is made of your kids? Are you able to discern when that request and the answer to it would be a want and when it would be a need? Are you able to discern when one is good for your child and one, when one is uh, going to be detrimental to your child? Uh, most of the time I think we can discern that occasionally we're going to see a little gray area overlap as we're trying to help our kids. But here's what's so unique about this king. This son of David. That he knows the difference with what's good for us and with what's not good for us. The things that we just want to have and the things that we need. And this king is so good that he only gives what we need. So he doesn't answer the Pharisees the way they want. He doesn't give the rich young man what he's looking for. And the disciples leave disappointed. But the blind man, the blind man walks away seeing. So this morning, may I ask of you, what do you want Jesus to do for you? God, I'm so grateful that you know better than I do. God, as I make my asks, you know what's good for me. You know what I need. And even out of the goodness of your heart, you go beyond my needs to my wants as well. And I praise you for that. But God, I do confess that most of the time that I come to you, I'm asking for very selfish things, very self-serving things. God, would you forgive me for that heart? Holy Spirit, would you lead me to cry out the same way Bartimaeus did? Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thank you for your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I, I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or, or streaming this content today. We try and pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I, I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you if you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or you can visit triumphlbc.org events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again and may the Lord bless you.